Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here and we pray you get something powerful from this sermon. Great. Well, this week I've been challenged to talk about something and I think, I don't know about you, but when God challenges me to talk about something, he usually puts me in situations where I have to live that out and work that through. And um, Friday morning, I was shopping with my sister and our, some of our children, not all of them. And my precious daughter was, okay, parents, put your hand up if you've ever had your children throw tantrums in the shop. Like, come on, be honest. If you were someone that threw a tantrum in the shop, put your hand up. 100% me. Mum told me many stories after I called her on Friday. So Alex um, wanted a toy. I said no. After her auntie also said no. So I was double mad because I was like, now you're disrespecting your auntie as well. That's not on girlfriend. So I'm like, no, you're not having that toy. Okay, she's throwing a tantrum. Right, you wanted a croissant. You're now not having a croissant because you're throwing a tantrum. Well, you can imagine, we're getting bigger and bigger and I'm... I'm like full on, on the floor in the middle of the shops, kicking and screaming. She's hit me. She's yelling at me, leave me alone. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then this sweet little innocent old lady in the middle of the shops just stops and stares. And I would love to say I had the grace of God on me in that moment, but I did not. And I turned to that woman and I said, are you right? Are you right? Do you think that's really helping my situation right now? Go, now. And later on, all afternoon, all I could see was this little old lady's face. I was like, God, I'm so sorry. And then I spoke to Emily after and she was like, yeah, you were a little bit mean. So if you are someone that stops and stares in the middle of the shops, I'm telling you now, walk away fast because you might not get a nice response. Was that the right thing to do? Definitely not. (laughs) Was I challenged to love like Jesus loves? Definitely yes. And that is actually what I'm talking on today. And the funny thing is I'd spent Wednesday and sort of Thursday working on my message and literally Friday morning, God's like, here you go, outwork it. And I did not at all. And I just, you know what? We're all sinners, hey? (laughs) And we're not perfect. I'm definitely not perfect. But you know what I love when we come into church, we can actually stand and I was worshiping this morning and I was thinking to myself, I'm going to share this story where I failed and people could look at me and be like, what a hypocrite. She does something out there and then comes in here and worships. But actually, I see it as though me humbling myself and going, God, you know what? I wasn't great this week and I did something that I shouldn't have done. And now I'm standing here this morning and I'm actually saying, forgive me and help me be better next week. Help me have a little bit more grace and a little bit more patience. And so just a little bit of a story for you to kick us off this morning. The last few weeks, we've been talking about the in-between, being from that moment that you accept salvation to that moment that you pass away. And and we've been encouraged, challenged, we've been um, pushed to think about what are we doing with our life? 
because our life matters and what we do with it actually matters. So what are we doing? We've been reading from 1 Peter chapter 1 and we've read verses 1 to 21 and today I'm going to extend a little bit further to verses 22 to 25. So let's read that. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Great scripture. Today I really want to focus on verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. I want to break my message this morning into three sections. And I believe it's really important that when we read the Bible, we read to understand, we read for meaning. And so I'm going to break down the meaning of this verse and then I'm going to jump to, well, what does Jesus's love actually look like? And then finally, challenging us to actually go out and live like that. I'm just going to pray. God, we just thank you that you are an incredible father, a father that is full of grace and forgiveness. And Lord, we just pray this morning that as we stand and just honor you, as we set aside time to listen and hear your word, God, that you would just bless us. Father, challenge us, open our hearts and ears to what you have to say this morning in your name. Amen. Awesome. Well, when I was reading that verse 22, I was a little bit stuck on that part of the scripture that says, uh, what uh, purified yourselves by obeying the truth. I was sort of like, oh, I feel like I don't fully understand the grasp of that. And so often what I do is I read it in a different translation to see if that helps me understand it more. So I went to the NLT And that said, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Peter, the author of this book, I believe is actually referring to the moment that we accept salvation. The moment that we say, God, we obey your word. He cleanses us and he purifies us of our sin. Something that he continues to do day in and day out. You may be an amazing person. You may do good in all the world. You may give a whole lot of money to a charity. But if you don't have Jesus, you are actually unable to be cleansed and purified. God continues to purify us as we continue to submit confess and obey his word. If we continue on reading that scripture, it says in the NLT version, so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters, love each other deeply with all your heart. Both of these translations actually use the word sincere. Sincere meaning free from pretense or deceit, proceeding from genuine feelings. Peter is reminding followers that we have been called to love one another. And I say reminding because Jesus himself actually says 
in John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. In this scripture, not only does Jesus tell us to love each other, but he actually tells us to love people the way that he loves. That's the challenging part. How can we sinners love the way that Jesus, pure and whole, love? In order for us to love people the way that he loves them, we actually need to understand the love of Jesus. So how does he love? You know, just before I read John 13 verses 34 to 35, but I actually want to read before it and I want to read after it. I believe that this passive of scripture actually shows two instances where Jesus loved very, very deeply. And so I'm going to read that for you again in the NLT. It says, as soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, the time has come for the son of man to enter into his glory and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will give his own glory to the Son, and he will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer, and as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me. But you can't come where I am going. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you'll follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord, he asked. I'm ready to die for you. Jesus answered, die for me. I tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. The two things I want to point out in that scripture, the very, very first line says, after Judas left the room. You know, we know further on that Judas is actually the disciple that betrays Jesus. He's the disciple that lets um, the people, Jesus' persecutors know where he is for some money. And I believe that the reason why this part of the scripture is actually in the Bible is not just for a little bit of added words, but because Jesus in that moment knew Judas has left the room and I know in about 24 hours that these disciples are going to be really angry with him. They're going to be really mad. They're going to be really hurt because their friend, someone they love deeply, has betrayed another person that they love very deeply. And he was challenging them. He didn't say, hey, guys, just so you know, Judas is going to betray me. Uh, just a heads up, just keep loving him anyway. It was like, I know that you're going to go through things and I know people are going to hurt you and I know it's not going to be nice, but regardless of that, I am calling you your commandment from me is to love people the way that I love them. You see, loving someone is really easy until. 
until they hurt you, until they betray you, until they hurt or maybe betray someone that you love. It's so easy to love until it's no longer convenient. Or simply you don't want to love anymore. It's so easy until. You know, I believe that we are challenged with things. And and like I said on Friday, I believe that I thought I could easily love people the way that Jesus loved them. But when something's inconvenient in my life, like my daughter throwing a tantrum, the true me sort of came out and I got angry and I told this lady to go away. It's not the way that Jesus would have loved her. But in a moment of frustration and anger, I just let it out and I couldn't control that emotion. I want to share a story with you today and it's quite a personal story to our family, but I want to share about um, my auntie. So my dad has a sister and uh, growing up, we spent a lot of time with her. I, I spent a lot of time at her house. She'd look after me. She was one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, she'd take me shopping all the time. She actually got me my first Britney Spears album for my birthday. And I'm sure I only liked that woman because she had the same name as me. And that probably stopped about there. But she took me shopping for that. She bought me a guitar for another birthday. We were, and it's not just based on goods. She was very loving in other ways too. She, she cared for me and I spent a lot of time with them. And then I think I was about 10. I, I don't know. It's a bit all blurry, but I no longer saw her anymore. It was really sudden. It was like, what? And you know, being 10, you don't understand. You don't get the full picture of what's happening. And, and so in that moment, I was actually really upset I was very frustrated. I took on probably some blame on myself thinking that maybe I'd done something to upset her and that's why she doesn't want to see our family anymore. And I carried that. And I became quite angry towards her. I would not say that I hated her because I understand the severity of that word, but there were definitely moments of those feelings of hatred She's hurting me. She's hurting my family. And I'm a very protective person. And so I was very protective of my family. And if you mess with that, I got really angry. And so we went a few years later. I was about year eight, I think. And I knew I needed to deal with it because I was becoming quite bitter. And I just was mad. And I spoke with my mentor at the time and she encouraged me to actually sit down and just write some letters. I didn't need to send them to her, but just write them down, get the feelings out, get it on paper, and hopefully that would help. I took it the next step and I did actually send those letters to her. Quite often the letters um, would say things like, I love you, I don't care what's happened, can you just come back? Can you just make the situation right? Can you just make everything back to normal? Because I miss you and I don't care about everything else, just come back. I don't know how many letters I sent, but I sent a few and I know they were to the right address and I never received a response. And so instead of carrying that heart of holding Jesus' love towards her, that anger and bitterness crept back in. 
And I carried that for some time. You know, I say that because I would guarantee that when things were good with my auntie, I loved her. She was one of the most important people in my life. And I would genuinely say that I loved her as Jesus did until something bad happened. And I no longer did. I allowed the feelings and my emotions to take over. You know, there are some people in this room today that you're sitting there and you're going, Britt, you said you didn't hate her, but there is someone that I do hate. And you'll stand firm on that. And I'm not up here to say that's you can't do that because I'm not that person for you. That's something that you and God need to work through and journey through. But what I am say is, saying is that you probably don't want to hear my message this morning because it's going to be challenging. Because, you see, Jesus, he loves full stop. He loves... Regardless, there's no until with Jesus. There's, he, you know, he went to the cross, right? And when he was on the cross, I know that he was thinking of all these people in the world that he was dying for, including those people that were standing there gambling over his clothing, including those people that were laughing and mocking him while whipping him time and time again. He was standing there dying for Judas, his close, close friend that stood there and betrayed him. He was dying for Peter, who literally betrayed him three times before his death, even though Peter just said, Jesus, I'll die for you. No, he won't. And Jesus knew that. But regardless, he was prepared and willing and ready to die for them. I said earlier, the reason I believe the scripture mentions that Judas left the room was because Jesus knew his disciples would be heartbroken and angry and facing feelings of hurt and betrayal. But he still calls us to love. So how does he love? Well, 1 Corinthians 13 Verses 1 to 13, you know, at a wedding, we often hear what love is, but there is really important scripture either side of this passage. So I'm going to read it to you this morning. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. 
Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The scripture talks about all these wonderful gifts that Christ gives us. But they mean nothing if we do not love others. The word for God's love to humans is agape. The highest form of love. The sort of love that gets his only son and sends him to the cross to die for people that hurt, betray, persecute him. That's the agape love. It's all good and well to say that we need to love like Jesus. But we're sinners. And it's hard and at times it can seem really impossible. But you know, when God cleansed us of our sins and when we choose to obey him, we are actually enabled to love the way that he does. We can only love one another sincerely from the heart as the love of Christ flows into our souls and then out into others. 1 Peter 1 verse 22 doesn't just ask us to love people, but it actually tells us that we must love others. Peter was writing this letter to followers who knew that commandment. But through persecution and separation, they had lost their way in showing love like Christ. Peter knew from his very personal experience what it felt to be loved by a Jesus who he literally betrayed three times. So when he's standing there and he's he's sharing with his followers, this is what you need to do. I believe Peter was sharing from this place of urgency, this place of knowing, I've been where you are. I denied Jesus three times just before he died. I don't know if we understand how soul-crushing that would have been for Peter. The moment that he heard that rooster crow, he probably thought, oh my goodness, it's just happened. What Jesus said I would do, I did. How can he love me? Because he loves, full stop. He loves regardless. You know, we can only be like God when we act like God. And we are only able to act like God when we submit and ask God to make us new in Him. 
I talked about my auntie earlier on and for many years living with frustration and anger and just not feeling good. I had Alex, you know, three and a half years ago and that was a huge moment for me. And part of me thought to myself, she would have loved my daughter like she loved me. But where is she? And I was mad again. So I decided that um, I'd message my cousin and I, you know, Facebook's wonderful for that. So I messaged her and I said, hey, I, I want to get back in touch with my auntie. I, I want to share with her that I've had a baby because it's huge for me and, you know, I want her to know. Part of me knew I wanted her to know just to rub it in that she wasn't around. Right? Sinners. And I wanted her to know that she was, she was missing out. And so I said to my cousin, here, can you just either give me her number or here's my number, get her to call me or message me or whatever. And my cousin never responded. I sort of sat there for a while and I thought, okay, what's the point? And I don't can't tell you how long between, but I was sitting there at some point and a message came up on my phone from an unknown number and it was from my auntie. And it just said something along the lines of, hey, Brit, heard you've had a baby. That's amazing. Love to hear more about her. And in that moment where I had rehearsed 100 times over the horrible things that I wanted to express. I actually just felt love. Because when Jesus reconciles things, when he brings two people back together, he actually allows you to just feel his love. And for my auntie in that moment, even though she hurt my family so, so much. We have journeyed things for all these years and she's been nowhere. But I just felt love. And the coolest thing is we've been connecting a bit here and there just by a message. But I also want to mention she offered to me when we went on a holiday to Queensland to actually meet up with her. And I declined because I wasn't there yet. You see, as much as we are called to love like Jesus loves, we're also called to guard our hearts. And I knew first and foremost that I had a journey that I needed to go on before I made that contact because I wanted to do it right. And I wanted to do it with the love of Jesus in my heart. And so first and foremost, I needed to get my heart right before Christ. And then I will step out and make that connection. I haven't made that connection yet, but I pray and hope that there'll be a day where I just go and see her like it's nothing. It's not a big deal at all because she's just back in my life. And even though there's been history and hurt and pain, the love of God and the grace of God has filled that void so that we can now be connected together through Him. You know, people again in this room and online, you're watching and you're saying, yeah, that's great. 
cannot love that person. I get it. It's not easy and I'm not going to stand here and tell you that you have to. That's not my place. I am not the judge. I'm just someone that's saying, God, speak through me, do something. And I'm praying and hoping that maybe Jesus will touch you in a, in a place today, wherever you're at. Maybe he's just giving you a little elbow. Maybe he's getting you on that path that it's something you could even begin to think about. But I can tell you now, Jesus didn't rise from the dead and say to the people that were whipping him, hey, come on, let's go have a cup of coffee. I'm sure he would, but he also didn't in that moment. So perhaps there's a journey that you need to go on in order for you to get to a place. Coffee with them may never be an option. But thinking about them without feeling, oh, that hatred could be. Jesus calls us to love like him. And the way that he loved people is just love full stop. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. And I was deeply challenged. And it's something that I think we face daily, especially if there is unforgiveness and hurt and betrayal, where we consistently need to remind ourselves that we ought to love as Jesus loves. And I want to challenge us this morning by actually actually saying, hey, God, you know. You know the feelings inside my heart. You know the feelings deep, 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 deep down there. You know them. And, and you know what? There's probably some people in this world that don't know that feeling, but God does. And I actually feel Him urging us to step forward. And say, God, again, I want to lay this feeling at your feet. And say, yeah, I may not have coffee with them tomorrow. But you know what? If I can just have one more step closer to beginning that journey of loving as Jesus loved, then that will make a difference. These guys are going to sing for us this morning. Our service is not over because I believe that God wants to do something this morning. He wants to release you from feelings that you've been holding on to. And He wants to do that because He has a task for you to do. He has a job for you to do, but you are actually unable to do that if you are carrying this burden constantly. And so He's going to encourage and challenge you this morning to actually step forward and lay it at His feet. I don't know about you, church, but I'll be the first person down the front this morning saying, God, help me. Help me to let this feeling go because it does me no good. 
So we are going to open this front and it's, it's if you want prayer, we will give you prayer, but we will also leave you to just sit in His presence and physically lay at His feet those feelings that you need to work with God. Let's just begin to worship this morning. Thank you, God. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including service times and our live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.